For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. <sighs> we did it. I still can't believe we got this project done so fast and so well. When I'm in New York. I'm in Chicago. And I'm in L.A. But we're making it happen in Miro. Together. Our best work just happens faster on Miro's collaborative online whiteboard. No more scheduling meeting after meeting for work that could happen from anywhere. Whether it's getting design feedback here. Mapping timelines here. Or brainstorming next steps here. It all just happens on the Miro board. Exactly. And it's nice not having to wait an entire day to get sign-off from this guy. Hey! Well, it is true. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com. The first three boards are free forever. That's M-I-R-O.com. Welcome back to another edition of the Leading Edge Cricket Podcast. This is Richard here and this is episode number 70. Now, we have a special guest here today because, as you will already know, this isn't Rob talking. There is no cheesy, crazy little intro. This is just me fumbling my way through and I am joined today by our dear friend, Mr. Christopher Tall. Good Chris. evening. Good evening. How's it going, Chris? You all right? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. The man's been on been on nights all week. Yeah, he's uh, he's a trooper. He's come down to help us out, and uh, yeah, let's talk about cricket today. So let's get started straight away. Now, this is not the nicest topic to talk about, but let's just get caught up. New Zealand, Bangladesh. Uh, obviously, a great series of cricket was being played in New Zealand in Rob's uh, Rob's backyard, and uh, yeah, it didn't particularly go to plan in the end. So, and the big news was obviously that horrible terrorist attack that happened in Christchurch. So, but, uh, why we want to speak about it on this podcast really is the news that Bangladesh cricketers were only a few minutes away from actually being inside that mosque, which were one of the mosques that obviously had the, uh, the one of the fatal shootings. So. Apparently, players and coach were only 50 yards away at the time. Um, and it sounds like a press conference overran at Hagley Oval, which was going to be the venue for the uh, now the cancelled third test. Chris, Chris, life's got a funny way of... Uh... It's, it's just shocking, isn't it? It mm. takes you back to the incidents mm. in Pakistan. Mm. All it was was the captain having a, a press conference and apparently some of the players were having a, a game of football or something that took a bit longer than it should have done. Yeah, And that's the difference between being in a room with a madman and, yeah. and not. Yeah. Exactly. 50 people lost their lives in Christchurch. It's absolutely horrific. It's been incredible to see the reaction uh, of the Prime Minister over there and just the way people around the world have kind of stood together as well. So a lot of love that comes out of that, but obviously really, really sad news. There was obviously some cricket that was played before this and uh, it was all New Zealand. ODIs 3-0, tests were 2-0 up and obviously that third one in Christchurch was cancelled. So so that wraps that one up really. I, you know, let's not talk any more about that and let's get into uh, what's been going on around the world. First things first, Chris... Test cricket is about to have a bit of an upheaval. The yeah, uh, yeah. the traditionalist, the purist, will not necessarily be overly happy about this. There's been a few people getting a bit excited about it. 
and I'm not quite sure why. We're talking about having names and numbers on the back of shirts, Chris. What's your thoughts? I mean, that's not a bad thing, is it? I don't think it is. It's, it's been quite interesting. The cynical side of me sees an awful lot of commentators saying it's a great idea, mm-hmm. probably because they can't recognise one player from another anymore. <laughs> but um, no, I think it's. I, I don't have a problem with shirts and numbers. We've we've got it in ODI cricket. The county championships got it. Yeah. Um, I don't see why the difference is. Uh, the other thing, of course, is back, back when we were youngsters, Richard, uh, and uh, somebody filled it or took a catch, the little light went up on the score oh. box. Well, those score boxes have all been replaced by big big screens now, so as a, pl- as a spectator, you're not necessarily sure That's who's true. been fielded. It's a fair point. I remember that at Trent Bridge, they used to have on the old scoreboard before we got the big TV screen, didn't we? We used yeah. to have the little red button next to the 1 to 11, you had yeah, all the players' the, names, and then that was the person The little light it. came on, yeah, and you yeah, fielded yeah. it, and you had to go and buy your match card, <laughs> so you knew your numbered 1 to 11, and then listen out, and so you got that subbed in and subbed out. Didn't even have the names, did it? Just no, had 1 to 11, love just it. Just 1 to 11, love that it. was it. County Championship change, though, 2003 this started, so we've seen cricket, unbelievable with white shirts and white trousers and they had names and numbers on it yeah. in cricket it's not yeah. the end of the world folks yeah. it's going to be okay 142 years of test cricket it's going to be here a lot longer and sticking someone's name and a number on the back of the shirt will not do any harm whatsoever um, this Just one thing on that I oh. think from a commercial point as well it's a good idea for youngsters if you want to be the next Ben Stokes or the next whoever you can now have a test match shirt with your hero's name on the back. I think that's one of the drivers for it. The ICC, yeah. they want to make players more easily identifiable and they want to encourage greater encourage, uh, engagement either into test cricket. So I think that that's where they're coming from a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the MCC, the ICC, they're all monking around with different ideas at the minute. The MCC are proposing a few things as well. One ball, Chris. At the minute, we've got the Dukes, we've got the SG, we've got the Kookaburra. They're proposing one ball be used when the World Test Championship starts, which, coincidentally starts in the ashes this summer good Dukes Dukes so that's where Tory's vote goes and they're also talking a few things here it'd be interesting to see what people's takes are free hit to follow a no ball in test cricket a timer or countdown clock to count down from 45 seconds to call over lots of that sort of stuff obviously none of this is going to happen straight away but these recommendations can go to a general meeting of the ICC to uh, for so the ICC or Test Nation sorry could approve so yeah big changes potentially coming but I, you know it's an opportunity isn't it the World Club uh, World Championship whatever you want to call it is coming forward now's the time to try yeah. a few different things I suppose I think it's a good idea to try and get some continuity as we've seen that the ball plays a massive role in, in the game of cricket and it just seems odd and I know Rob has been ranting on about it in various things that <laughs> Different ball, different results, different everything. Um, so I think it's quite good that we're going to be looking at one ball. I think, interestingly, is it Sheffield Shield? They've been playing with the Dukes ball just recently. Mm, getting uh, ready for the English summer. I think I think there is an acclimatisation process going on around the world to get ready for a ball that moves sidewards rather than just straight up and down. Yeah, sensible stuff, sensible stuff. We'll get back. Oh, we'll get on to Australia in a little bit later. There is one or two bits of news with a couple of very, very well-known people uh, with regards to that. Obviously, the other thing that Test Cricket has probably got the... I don't want to say the issue with, but well, I suppose it is really, isn't it? It's the overrate. Uh, obviously, Jason Holder was, I don't want to say controversially banned earlier a few months ago, you know, earlier in the winter, um, because the overrate sucked. So, you know, at some point, you've got to actually clamp down on this. And I don't think we need stop clocks, timers and klaxons and whatever else, you know, bells and whistles. I think you just need the uh, the captains just to be actually playing the game a little bit more and just keeping the the, the, the play... 
uh, moving along and as Bumble would say get on with the game absolutely right I mean I'll be honest there's two takes on this there's a lot of people saying I don't care about the overrate I go to be entertained and actually if that means that fast bowlers are only bowling 12 overs but they're bowling really well I don't mind I don't want to see a part timer come on yeah. I can see that argument but mm. there are times when you do feel shortchanged at the cricket yeah. game yeah. you go to watch a day's cricket and you, you're getting three quarters of a day's cricket yeah um but in terms of holder and everything, you know, the conventions are set down at the start of a test. These are the amount of overs you've got to play every hour. And if you don't do it, this is what happens to you. Yep. So, you exactly. know, as sad as it was to see him removed from that, that final test match, um, it was going to happen. Yeah. I suppose just, I wasn't going to talk about you here now, but I suppose it's just a good point just to just drift onto it naturally. Um how did you see the winter? How did you see? Obviously, forget the test, but the ODIs. Obviously, looking towards the World Cup, the T Twenty series. How did you? Uh, did you see England? How very topsy turvy. Mm. Um, it didn't pan out how people expected. I think the most exciting for me was that we seemed to have a bit of a resurgent West Indies eleven. Yep. Mm. Uh, certainly in the tests, and then in one day is where you thought England should be massively dominant. And I think looking at results from other areas as well that. They haven't been what we'd have expected. A lot of the one-day results recently, which leading up to the World Cup, is quite interesting. I think it's going to be a lot more open than people think. Yeah. Um, mm. I was disappointed about the West Indies in the T20s, to be mm. honest. It, I, I thought they'd be a lot stronger. Yeah, it just kind of faded out into a little bit of a damp squib, didn't it, at the end yeah. of the T20s? The, the ODIs was cracking stuff. I mean, Chris Gale, universe boss, lord of the world. Oh, it, was, it was exceptional. It was tooth and nail, gladiator part. stuff. Yeah, different planet, wasn't it? And, uh, you know, it is really good. West Indies are going to be competitive. And, and a few months ago, we wouldn't have been saying competitive. No. So I think that's going to be really good. And they'll, they'll surprise a few people. As for England, I, I'm still a little bit unsure. There's a few more question marks in the England setup than I thought there would be. Uh, yeah. But there's still really good depth and the squad just seems locked in. And there's obviously the big argument over... Well, not argument at the minute. I may be making it into an argument. I <laughs> obviously wrote up a little bit about Joffre Archer recently. And I think there's got to be a way to get that guy in there. I think we're a little bit too inward looking. Paul Farbrace recently was talking about... He's been very, um, very uh, I don't know, careful with his words. Cagey, I'd say. Yeah, but he, but he didn't really seem to want to ch- make any changes to that pretty, pretty settled uh, England uh, ODI I, setup. It's, it's a difficult one because they've already got too many for a settled 15. Mm. You, you look at particularly in the bowling departments, you've got a lot of bowling all rounders. You yeah. can all bat, you've got Wokes, you've got Curran, Willie, Plunkett. You're now sticking in Joffrey Archer. You know, at the moment, they've had a very settled team, good dressing room spirit, and all the rest of it. And you're suggesting throwing somebody else in to jettison somebody. Mm. Uh, that's not always a, a, a positive sign. but It's a tough one, isn't it? But, but then, you know. The play, the good players, and they deserve a bit of loyalty. You want to have that settled squad, but there are the Currens, the Plunkets, the the you know one or two of those around it where they're, they're a bit of a I don't know they're different styles, but they're yeah. you know on paper it's not the strongest looking ball attack in the world, but it's very same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I just think there's got to be a way, and I I just think that the world just sometimes creates a situation where maybe Joffrey Archer finds his way in, and it might be the injury, it might be something else, but well, uh, I, I, who knows? I, I, it, it puts a bigger emphasis on that that. Only ODI with Ireland and the series with Pakistan and I think you'll go into that and players are playing for places and that will be exciting 
Yeah, 100%, 100%. So let's just transition. A couple of bits of news that I want to just talk about first. Now, we are going to get on to some other exciting bits of world cricket at the moment. But this is something. This is very close to our home, Chris. Um, this is at Trent Bridge. We've got a bit of a red ball retirement going on here. Definitely. Everyone says it's a, signs a new white ball contract, but I said no, it's a red ball retirement. Red ball retirement, that's what we're calling it. Mr Gurney, the best death bowler in world cricket. And yes, I do mean at the end of an innings, and I don't mean hard of hearing. So he's got himself a white ball only deal at Trent Bridge for tw- until 2020, um, which is pretty good for a T20 specialist or a at the moment. Well, I mean... He's gold, isn't he? He's gold. He's absolutely brilliant at the minute. He is 32 now. It's, it's surprising, really, isn't it? He still looks a relatively young fella. Uh, he played 10 one-day internationals for England and a couple of T20s back in 2014. 14 wickets for him. He's had an absolutely, as you say, golden uh, period now. He's gone and won himself the T10 competition. Yeah. He's got a little medal there. He's gone and won the Big Bash with the Melbourne Renegades. Yeah. He's just, spoiler alert... Uh, Pakistan Super League, Quetta uh, Gladiators, he's got himself a win. And now he's on the plane, he's going across to India in the IPL uh, to join the Kolkata Knight Riders. Is there anything this man can't win this winter? And what do you think about him signing that deal? Obviously after Hales uh, did the same to Knott's a couple of years ago. It's it's just a change in face, isn't it, of of the way cricket's going. And, uh, you know, there's a lot more money involved and players are looking to make sure that they look after themselves I think it's a great deal for Gurney. Uh, yeah. But a good deal for Knotts as well. Yeah. I think last year, you know, probably this time last year, we were talking about white ball contracts and we were getting a little bit concerned by it all. But to be honest, again, it's another player of a certain age. He's 32. He's not somebody that's really got international ambitions anymore. Um, you know, he'll be missed playing for Knotts in county championship. But Knotts have made a really, really good signing today. And I wonder if they allowed uh, Gurney to get his uh, announcement out yesterday just so it didn't sound like it was as a reaction to this. And that is the news that Australian, awesome, awesome Australian seamer, but very, very often injured, Darren Pattinson, <laughs> is back at Trent Bridge. He had an unbelievable spell a year or two ago. Uh, and he's back and he's going to be joining at the start of the summer, some county championship, about seven games and all of the uh, the 50 over competition. Is he back for the start? Yes. Oh dear, you're going to have one heck of a... One heck of an attack for Knotts, aren't you, early season? Yeah, exactly. And it's Stuart Broad's going to be available as well, isn't he? Fortunately, Warwickshire aren't playing you till June. <laughs> yeah. And it's just worth mentioning, actually. We'll talk about it when we do look at the county championship in a bit more in-depth in a couple of weeks' time, or when it, uh, just when it starts. But when it does start, England, uh, England, Knotts are playing against Yorkshire. Joe Root's available, Broad's available. That's going to be box office. Hopefully, a lot of people will take advantage and wrap up warm. Um, in the, uh, the early English summer. <laughs> Keeping it with the T20 cricket, obviously we just mentioned that uh, that Mr Gurney is a winner of the PSL this year. Um, let's have a quick look at that. So, Quetta Gladiators, they've ended up winning it. A, a convincing win in the final. Eight-wicket win in this competition. It was a final in Karachi. They got themselves in there uh, by beating uh, the, the, the finalist Peshawar Zalmi in the first qualifier. Then uh, it was a toss-up. Peshawar beat Islamabad after Islamabad had beat Karachi. We love a couple of good eliminators. Anything to complicate a, a situation Absolutely. and a competition further. We love it. So Quetta got on the right side of it, though. 138 for eight in their first innings. Um, it was one of those, wasn't it? Mohammed, uh, Mohammed Hasnain, 330. Amin, 38. Just wasn't enough. Um, in reply as well, Shane Watson fell early, but Ahmed Shazad, 58 or 51. He anchored the innings. He guided them. Riley Rousseau, 39 as well, to 140 for two. 
Two overs remaining, a pretty convincing win there. Uh, Chris Jordan and Timmel Mills were both on the uh, losing side as well, the Englishman. I think, you know, it's great. This competition, it's exciting. There's plenty of it. It's such a shame that we don't get to see it on TV over here. But the big, big story for this one is that cricket is back in Pakistan. Massive. Not just the odd game, but back in Pakistan, 10 years after the terrorist attack. And this is this is you know a clear message, isn't it? Pakistan love the cricket, and cricket can it can be played it's, back to being played it's in Pakistan. To flourish. Uh, and and yeah. all the news that's coming out from the overseas players was what an exceptionally well organised tournament it was, how safe they felt, how much they've enjoyed it, and you know that that's that's fantastic. There's nothing that you want more than to see Pakistan playing in Pakistan again. So um, I'm really optimistic that that will be the case. Yeah, it's it's one of those countries where I would have loved to have thought of you know, Sri Lanka, India. I've been lucky enough to go to some sort of places, but it would just it was always on my radar. I used to hear the stories about you know winning in Karachi as the yeah, as the yeah. lights were getting Bit dimmer and dimmer. Ball. Yeah, what was it? Tell me, mommy, why to put the curry on rice? We won in Karachi twice. <laughs> <laughs> Bloke called Mad Dog. Love that. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's awesome to see and just yeah, Pakistan cricket for me, it's not quite getting the results it probably deserves at the minute, and they're going to be taking on Australia soon. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, but Pakistan, they're, they're building something there. I like the look of what they're doing at the minute, Definitely. and it's fantastic to see cricket being played back over in Pakistan. Um, a little bit of news, and I can't have you on the podcast, Chris, without you mentioning your absolute favourite player in the world ever. Oh, no. There's a certain p- p- fella, Islamabad United, he was having a bit of a net, and he's gone and done himself a mischief, mate. Stop it. Ian Bell, he's going to miss three months. He's out three, for three months. He's out for three months. Ball on to foot, into hospital. Uh, he's had the operation, that's been successful. Um, but he's going to miss three months, so... That's a shocker, mate. That is a huge uh, loss for Warwick. And you, you were one of the main proponents, I would say, of anyone I know, well, of Mr Bell in an England shirt absolutely. again. Absolutely. Of, of course I was. If he hit the ground running early season, yeah, I think, you know, he would have had a very strong case with an inexperienced batting lineup of maybe having a slot. I think that's gone now, Ian, unfortunately, to be quite honest. I think by the time you start playing again, there will be plenty of players... Sticking their hand up, scoring runs at counter championship level. I think that that's what's going to be exciting for me watching the first couple of rounds of these county championship games. A, watching the England players, and then B, who's sticking their hands up for those slots that are sort of n- not quite inked in, grayed in with pencil. Exactly. You know, those pencil slots, so you're looking at one, two, and three. Who in the county championship is sticking their hand up and saying, I want a bit of this? Exactly. I love the fact that he's just set me up for this and I'm going to drop a little bit of a, a bit of a director to a brilliantly shiny new website, leadingedgecricket.com. Get yourself over there. That's where you'll find all the podcasts and everything else we're doing, including the articles. And we, I put one together very, pretty recently, what to do with a problem like an opener. And that's looking at just what Chris was saying. Those those spots in the lineup, Rory Burns as a partner, and there's maybe just a question mark over one other spot, potentially, depending on how they, they jig things around. Mm. But get yourself over there, have a read of that. I've put six or seven players out there who I think could be in the conversation. Um, and it's, uh, it's, well, I think it's well worth a read, Chris. What do you reckon? Uh, well, I've read it, and I think it's well worth a read, and I'd agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, Dom Sibley's another name I'd add, but that's because I'm a Warwickshire fan. <laughs> uh, actually, you don't want all our players. Uh, Can't he, mention everybody. Well, he's been doing very well, and he's he's been scoring runs in Dubai recently. So, yeah, it's all good. I, I think we're we're setting up for a quite interesting first couple of months of the county championship. Absolutely, absolutely. And just to, just to mention the, the evergreen batsman that we're talking about, Neil Bell. What about another one? Shane Watson. He finished the tournament of the PSL 
430 runs, an average of 43, strike rate of 143.81, top scorer in the tournament. I thought this man was retiring a few years ago. It's incredible. He just, he's like the Duracell bunny. He just keeps going on and on and on, doesn't exactly. he? Exactly. He's, he's getting results yeah. all the time. We wrote him off last year in the IPL, and then he went and got a man of the match performance in the final. I'm sure I'm not going to cut, not going to write him off ever again. Um, although I did used to love him standing in front of all three getting triggered LB. <laughs> Moving on, Chris, moving on. We are looking ahead to the English summer and we're looking ahead to, obviously, the World Cup. So are Sri Lanka. Now, uh, their opener, Dimav Karunaratne, he was set to be joining Hampshire. Massive, massive deal as their overseas player. Um, but that's that's looked like it's going south now. Mm. Um, the 30-year-old, obviously, you know, we all know he was a standing test captain recently. He helped them to that brilliantly and surprisingly brilliant 2-0 victory in South Africa in the Test Series. He's not played in the ODIs for Sri Lanka since 2015, but he has now been asked to stay back in Sri Lanka during April and play in their domestic 50-over competition um, because he's one of three players, apparently, in line for the captaincy of the Sri Lanka team, currently held by Malinga. Bit of a strange one, this one. They're in a bit of a strange place, Sri Lanka, which makes their, their, their results in South Africa even the more surprising in that... They're almost a team in complete turnaround. They've lost a few of the greats, and they're almost, you know, rebuilding this. And and they're not quite sure where they're going. It's uh, it's really nice to see a nation other than England make you kind of doing U turns and wholesale changes on on what feels like almost the eve of the World Cup. I just don't think they they've got a real idea of what their top fifteen are or or anything in that that respect. No, Um, no. I mean, Karuna Ratna is absolutely stud of a player, and I'm so pleased that he's actually getting this opportunity. It's a shame for Hampshire, and it's a shame for English county cricket. Absolutely. But he, I, it shocks me that he wasn't in this set He's such a good player. Uh, he's a top 10, top 15 sort of batsman in world test cricket at the mm-hmm. moment. So if you've got a player like that, Sri Lanka, in a little bit of a, um, an in-between phase, aren't they, for, for yeah, want of a better re- term? Yeah, rebuilding, I would suggest, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and just let's have a look. Sri Lanka are still playing in South Africa at the minute. Uh, we, as we mentioned, 2 0. They beat um, South Africa 2 0 in test matches. That was a shocker. Absolute shocker. That was probably more shocking than seeing England beat um, Sri Lanka in Sri Lanka. Yeah. It's not gone so well since then. South Africa have won 5 0 in the ODIs, Chris. Yeah, very one way traffic. <laughs> but, but we have seen a little bit of a comeback from Sri Lanka. They tied the first T20. It even went down to a super over. It did. Um, Malinga and Imran Tahir were the brave boys doing with the ball. So uh, they, they got the tie out of that. There's two to play. I think they can start the next game as we record. They start it tomorrow. Yeah. So we'll see how that finishes. But Karuna Ratne. Shame for Hampshire, but obviously Sri Lanka are thinking that they need to make some sharp changes. Just while we're talking about South Africa and Sri Lanka and looking ahead to the IPL, which is imminent, um, Lungi and Gidi and Andrich Nud, Nudje, Nudje. Anyone, anyone have any idea how you pronounce that man's name? I'm going to call him Andre North. Um, he's going to, he was supposed to be in the KKR this year. He was his first year, the 25-year-old quick. And, and Giddy, which is one of the players I love, he's for CSK. They're both going to be missing the IPL with injuries. That's a big, big shame for South Africa. Do you know what's also a big, big shame, Chris? We're not talking about the New Yorkshireman, are we? The New Yorkshireman. <laughs> the New Yorkshireman. I wonder where he was going with that. I thought he was going to start talking baseball. Um, <laughs> the New Yorkshireman, Dwayne Olivier. Um, Dwayne Olivier, yeah. He's, he's obviously he signed on a cold pack, a three-year cold pack deal. Shockwaves, I'd suggest, uh, with this one. I don't want to be exaggerating here, but that's a shocker. Ten test matches for the Proteas. He's took 48 wickets, an average of 19. I know. 
It's incredible. I think the only other player with a comparable record at the minute is, is Mohammed Abbas, Pakistan. Possibly. Yes, yes. Incredible record. This is unreal. I didn't realise what a record he had. So he's quit international cricket basically for the financial security of a county deal at Headington, the long-term deal. Um, we'll go on to something he said in a minute, but but just what's your take on the whole Colpack scenario here and Olivier turning his back on South Africa and test and you know in South Africa for South Africa? It saddens me, and, and it's and it's not just this one case that that you look at. You can see different formats of cricket struggling because of financial gains in other areas. I think what it's coming, what the administrations need to look at longer term is how do we make test cricket available to the best players. Yeah, and I think may- Jason Holder spoke about it, didn't he, about the salaries. And, and maybe if we are having a uh, Test cricket championship, there's a minimum rate of pay. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's one way that we we say right. This this is what we have to do to guarantee that these sides are strong. For Olivier, it's strange because I mean, if if I was him or anyone else, I know you dream about playing for your country, and then you get there and you have this dream start. Would you really sack it all off to go and play at Yorkshire? Yeah. He was part of a big thing as well. You've got the likes of Ingiddy, you've got Beth Leclerc, you've got um, you've got Rabada, obviously, and you know you've got Andre, who we just mentioned. You've still got Dale Stain there. He's come back. He's come yeah. back strong. Yeah. You know, this guy, Dwayne Olivier, he was the the, the kind of the, the heir to the throne of Dale Stain, wasn't he? You Absolutely. know, the long term replacement Absolutely. here. It's such a shame. The man can't be rubbing, you know, you know, looking down the back of the sofa for a couple of quid to buy himself a, no. a sandwich, is it? No. It can't be that. You know, I appreciate he wants to uh, he wants to go after you know a few quid to, for his family, blah blah blah. But dude, I I don't get it. I I really don't get this one. You know, this is this is much worse than KP in my opinion. I, I, I'm a um, bit shocked because let's be honest, how many? There's plenty of opportunities for international cricketers to play in county championship, to go and play in Australia, T20s, IPL, yeah. whatever. Without the need to have to turn their back on the country, yeah, surely um, you can go and do a KFC advert or something to make it feel well, random. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, if I was a South African, I'd be very disappointed, and certainly if I was a member of his dressing room, Oof. I would feel very unhappy, hugely let down. Francois Faftiplessis, he was not happy, obviously, when this news broke. Uh, obviously, other members of the squad were not happy. That was before um, he decided to dig himself a bigger hole. Um, he's now basically... Let's use his quote first, shall we? I think you should. I accept that my test career is over, South Africa, but if I do well, hopefully in the future, I can play for England, he said. You always need to put your mind to certain goals. Holy shit, Dwayne. Oh, he wants to make sure he's never welcome back in South Africa, doesn't he? It's rather an arrogant statement. Um, he's obviously a very good cricketer, but you know, it's, it's one thing to to say it, and another <laughs> thing to mean it. And it's you know, the, just the level of self-importance that he's got there is it, quite shocking. I feel like he needed to say all that in his inside voice. Yes. And not say it in his outside yes. voice and yes. say it out loud. It'd be nice if it happened, but I don't want to admit to this openly. Yeah, exactly. So basically, with what he's got in mind, Joffrey Archer has obviously just uh, qualified for England. He already had a passport, so that's a different scenario in my opinion. But what will need to happen? So Olivier, I think he's about 26 at the minute. If he, so if, in order to obtain British citizenship, he needs to make sure he doesn't play in South Africa as a local player. He's, he needs to spend at least 210 days for each of the next three years in the UK and then he would be eligible to play for England in 2022, and he would be about 29 at the time. Whether England do it, I suppose 
we can be as principled as we like, but if suddenly we've got an absolute dearth of uh, quick bowlers in 2022, well, I'm sure... The any... level that ours yeah. seems to be breaking down, it's probably yeah. quite plausible. Exactly. So <laughs> I don't want to say he will never play for England. How disgraceful of him to even suggest it. But, geez, let's remember James Pattinson. <laughs> the Grimsby-born Australian. So, oh, no, was that Darren Pattinson? I've got my Pattinsons wrong today. You Darren did. Pattinson was our Grimsby-born one-test wonder. James Pattinson is the guy that's coming back to Knotts. Don't panic, Knotts fans. It's not Darren <laughs> Pattinson. My word. Sorry about that one, everybody. One ODI series to another. We are over to India. Australia were in town. This was massive. And I can't believe we didn't get around to talking about this. So apologies, we're a bit late to it. But you all know what happened. But let's just kind of cover it off a bit. So uh, we like talking about cricket. And that's what we're doing here, isn't it? So that's why we're going to talk about it. it? Um, T20 series, we won't go into that. 2-0-2. It was 2-0-2 Australia. Uh, (laughs) Australia. Australia. Yeah. Closest games, to be honest. No, nobody um, got carried away. I think the fir- yeah. first game was pretty much last over. It's there or thereabouts. Yeah. So, so set it up nicely, didn't it? Um, for the uh, for the five match ODI series, India were cruising two nil after the first two ODIs. Uh, we got a Kedar Jadav uh, man of the match performance in a close one, a pretty low scoring game. Two three six played two forty in the first test. Lots of starts from Australia. Uh, not much doing there. Um, <laughs> India again, some some steady storylines. M. Estonian and Jadav though, eighty one not out, decent knock from that young man. Um, oh, Virat Kohli though, he got man of the match, hundred in the second ODI, two 0 India won by eight eight uh, eight runs, one hundred and sixteen for Virat King Kohli. Again, lots of starts. This is just a frustrating couple of couple of ODIs for Australia. Mm. But at this point, if you're Australia, you're restricting you know India to relatively small to- totals in the grand scheme of things. And you're making starts, but you're not going on. You would hope that good things would happen. Absolutely. And then good things did happen. Usman Khawaja, good things happened. Absolutely. 104 for Usman. Aaron Finch, his opening partner in this one. 193 partnership uh, when the first wicket fell, when Finch did, was, was dismissed in this one. 313 for five in the third ODI. Australia starting to believe. And they restricted Australia to uh, 281. Virat Kohli, second consecutive 100, 123. And I'm going to say that India then got hit by the Australian bug of a lot of starts. Um, We'll just quickly get into the fourth one. Fourth ODI, big, big scoring game this one. India, 358 for nine. Big score, 143 for Shikadawan, uh, 95 for fellow opener Rohit Sharma. A few starts as they're bludgeoning the way through. Pat Cummins, five, one of my favourites. <laughs> uh, but then for Australia, 91 for Usman Khawaja, the man's on form. Peter Hanscom, 117, and 84 for Ashton Turner. That's a big one for him off just the 43 deliveries. So we are 2-2 two, two at this point. We moved to Delhi for the fifth and final. Surely India could not. Well, you'd hope so. Let it turn not around. At not at home. Not like this. But they did, and I'm so sorry to you know for all you Indian guys out there. I'm so sorry to have to bring this up again. I'm sure you're trying to forget about it. But Usman Khawaja, he's going to be in your sleep. He's going to be in your dreams. He was man of the match in the fifth and final. A hundred, a straight hundred, uh, before he was dismissed. Fifty-two for hands given. A few others here and there. For India, again, it's what we're talking about in this series. Lots of starts. Lots of starts. We're not going to go into detail of the bowling or whatever else, but that, for me, is a shocker, is a surprise. I did not see very Australia awesome. going into India and winning 3-2, especially not after being 2-0 well, down. It's very peculiar. Like I said, everything's a bit topsy-turvy. <laughs> well, one thing that 
I wasn't really aware of, but I've just just noticed is that the Indians had two different squads. They had a squad for the first and second ODI, yeah, um, which they won, and they had a squad for the third, <laughs> fourth, and fifth. Go for the first squad. <laughs> yeah, go for the first squad, please. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if, if that had any effect on it or, or not, or whether Australia just got into their stride. And as Richie said, those starts when they started happening, that was it. Yeah. And when the batsmen started playing, uh, they played better. But you would certainly have expected a stronger show from India against uh, an Australia missing several key players in Indian conditions. Yeah, it's a bit of a, a bit of a surprise, isn't it? Really, this one. Um, Australia, they're still trying to find their feet with their squad. You know, they're, they're going to. You know, Aaron Finch is there as captain, but he's not. He's not got the best form, but he did get himself a 90, 93 in this series. Yep. Um, it really is interesting that, that every single team at the minute going into the World Cup, I wouldn't say there's one team out there that's just going, yeah, we're good. Things are looking great. Everyone seems to have their own little challenges, their own little battles at the minute, and I don't think there's anybody that's jumping to the front to, to really yeah, say that yeah. this is our tournament. What, what you seem to have are, are, are lots of very strong teams that will win series, mm. but they're all making a blooper every every third, fourth, fifth game. Yeah, that concerns me. That's not how you win World Cups. No. World Cups, you steamroller and you, you just keep going. So, uh, I think look, looking ahead to the World Cup, I think there's everyone always always saying, "Oh, it's one or two or three teams." I think mm. it's much more wide open than that now. Oh, massively. Yeah, but you were talking India, Australia. Uh, sorry, India and England, weren't you? Probably initially. Yep. Uh, but now suddenly there are other teams there or thereabouts. I really like you know South Africa. You know, obviously they've just demolished Sri Lanka, haven't they? West Indies are going to be a bit West of an Indies outsider. They've got power. If Gail has his swan song, who knows what could happen? Exactly. India, obviously, they're moving and looking towards the IPL now, which starts very, very soon and starts this weekend. We're all very excited. Massively. But we're not sure it's on telly over here. Sky Sports just seem to have dropped an absolute you-know-what on this one. So we need to find out how we're going to be digesting and eating up our uh, IPL coverage in England at the minute. I'm but sure we'll find a link. I'm sure we will find the links and where most definitely so India is going to be all the way all, all about the IPL Australia they move across to the UAE next they're going to be playing a, 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 an ODI tournament tournament they're going to be playing an ODI series should I say against Pakistan um, now two names that have missed out on this one are a certain David Warner and a Steve Smith they would have been available by I think the the third or fourth That's correct, uh, yeah. ODI in this series but Australia have decided to uh, to keep them to one side for now uh, they've, they're both having a little bit of um, treatment um, they've both got their own little niggles and then they're off to play in the IPL as we spoke about so they're going to be joining the Indians uh, Warner's going to be playing at Sunrise of Hyderabad again and Steve Smith is with his Rajasthan Royals so We'll talk about them in a moment, but Australia looking ahead. Um, Mitchell Stark's going to miss out on this squad. As we said, the uh, Aaron Finch is a little bit out of form, but I think that's probably a bit harsh after he played pretty well in India. Um, Nathan Lyon, he gets another chance to uh, have a go. Peter Hanscom, he's looking forward. Mm-hmm. Ashton Turner, Alex Carey, the wicketkeeper batsman, yeah. they're all kind of going, you know, having a go. Um, the Richardson brothers, as we like to call them, Giant Kane. Um, Kawaja, I can't believe what form Kawaja's on, and Glenn Maxwell's in there as well. Um, Interesting looking Australia squad. They're not jumping out at me at the minute, but suddenly, if you added a David Warner and a Steve Smith into that squad, and it starts and Mitchell Starr, yeah. it's starting to look a little yeah. bit lively, isn't it? What, what surprised me is how well some of those players who I haven't rated necessarily highly in India have done. Mm. You know, they've stood up, they've started getting wickets, they've started scoring big runs, um, and 
yeah, you start to add in the, the big players yeah. when they're back and maybe Australia could be a bit of a threat. Yeah, exactly. You know, If the likes of Ashton Turner and others are going to be stepping in and doing pretty well, uh, Pat Cummins is, is one of the key, the, uh, the vice captains along with Alex Carey, so he's becoming more and more of an important uh, senior part of this squad in, in their ethos as well as the performances. So it's, it's starting to look pretty strong. Um, the, the whole Warner and Smith one is just a bit of a peculiar one for me at the minute and you know obviously we all know they had the 12 month ban after the incident um <laughs> it's like talking about hulk isn't it or something the incident um so apparently according to david warner when the, you know him and smith were uh, back in the meetup with the squad recently um apparently there were lots of big hugs and cuddles yeah, chris it's like long lost brothers coming back yeah it's like we didn't really leave the boys were very accepting of us coming in with open arms i mean that's just lovely but also just ugh. Well, I think he's going to get a very different welcome in England uh, this summer. Yeah. I'll be quite honest that, that him and Mr Smith are going to need a very thick shell because it's going to be non-stop throughout the summer for them in the World Cup and then the Ashes series. Oh, bring it on. It's going to be entertaining. Tin hat will be required for those boys. Uh, weirdly, I just Warner's going to get loads more, isn't he? He is. Um, they clearly, they both understand. Warner has just added, you know, it's a big change. Um, it's about accepting that and playing what our role should be. Um, and again, they're talking about making sure that they're being aligned with the team values moving forward. So that's obviously very key. Uh, to this Australian setup as they go. Let's see how long it lasts uh, if the results go against them as we start getting into the, uh, the English summer. So, so that's where Smith and Warner are. They're going to be IPL. We're going to be talking IPL soon. We, we're going to get a preview out, but it's going to be a little bit of a bugger because of Mr. Rob. Um, he's not going to be around until after the IPL starts. We will get a bit of a preview out, but it will be after the, 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 you know, the, the greatest the tournament in the world has started. It's going to be after the first few games, so we will get to that. Back to Australia for a moment. Cameron Bancroft, one of the other party, one of the other three, the Stop sandpaper it. trio. <laughs> He's got himself a light, nice little gig. He's the overseas pro for Durham in this English summer. He's now got the captaincy. It's bizarre. Ian Botham at the helm, Cam Bancroft. How, how would you take that if you're from Durham? You know, I would be somewhat upset. I'll be quite honest. I'm surprised that the counties approached these individuals at all, given given what had happened. Um, it, it, it did amaze me. Um, and then for Durham to, to name him a skipper, um, well, we'll see. It's a strange one, isn't it? He's, he's as a player, you know. Work, if I was playing for Durham, have I been consulted? How am I comfortable? How's the dressing room feel? You'd think there's a bit of a players panel there, wouldn't you? With one or yeah. two senior players that you know you're both you know the coach etc can kind of get the uh, get the pulse of. And I'd be surprised if that was a unanimous decision of people saying, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy to get behind this guy that you know got a little bit of sandpaper out and then shoved it down his down, yeah, his, down yeah, his pants yeah. <laughs> at the end of it. So. All very bizarre on that one. I'm not sure how that's going to go. Other Australian moves, it's probably a good time for us to just quickly mention this. <laughs> uh, Kane Richardson, he's moving over to Derbyshire. Derbyshire and Leicestershire, like Leicestershire, they're making some nice moves again. Um, I like what they're doing. They're usually the whipping boys of Division 2. Yeah, Derbyshire are toughening up. Yeah. They've, they've got rid of an awful lot of players. Yeah, and it's, it's good and to see. slimmed right down to pretty much the bare minimum. But uh, I think Kim Barnett's back there now. And, uh, yeah, they, they, I think they're going the right direction. 
Yeah, and definitely, and that's what we want. Leicestershire last year with some really good signings. Derby should make starting with uh, with Game Richardson. That's a hell of a one. Um, talking to Durham as well. Darcy Short's going to be joining um, the uh, his Aussie compatriot um, in the T Twenty competition this summer. Uh, I think that's a heck of a signing for for Durham. Uh, he's he, really really solid, isn't he? Yeah. I don't know why, but I just put him in the same kind of bracket categories like a Joe Denley he's gone around some of these tournaments he's, he's paid his dues he's, he's scored runs in PSL he's scored runs in IPL yeah. and now he's going to get a chance to come over to England in the premier T20 tournament <laughs> only joking so that's the Aussies that's where they are Warner and Smith are on the plane on the way back it's all coming back to normal. <laughs> it's been a strange old year without the likes of Warner and Smith, but uh, we'll see how that's going. Pakistan, just to mention them, they're resting about five or six key, key players in this squad um, for this tournament, you know, competition against Australia. They'll be then moving over to England, and that's when England will start getting serious. Maybe that'll be the first time we see Joffre Archer in an England shirt, uh, but they'll be giving folks last chance before they pick the World Cup squads. So as we work our way towards the end of this podcast, we are obviously missing Rob, just in case he's listening. Um, we want to get on now to a piece of cricket. Um, well, history now, isn't it? It's, it is. It's crucial. Expanding the club. Expanding the club. I love this. There's nothing more important for me in, in the cricket, really, is to see those associate members going up through the leagues and up through the ranks, whatever you want to call it. And we've seen it with Afghanistan and Ireland, the two newest members of the Test Cricket Club. Um, it's, it's, there's not many clubs out there that, is, that, that has so few members no. as Test Cricket. There's only 12 of them. Um, obviously, they, they both had a Test match, didn't they, last year? It, um, Afghanistan got beat by India in their first. Yeah. Ireland got beat by Pakistan in theirs. Yeah. So Afghanistan were hosting, as strange as that might be, obviously, sadly, not in Afghanistan just yet, but they were hosting Ireland on this tour um, in India. And it was all about, really, it was all about building up to this first test match between the two nations. Um, but before that, we had a little bit of razzmatazz. We had a little bit of Hazaratullah Karzai razzmatazz in T20 form, didn't we? Um, we did 3-0 to Afghanistan. Pretty good going. And this included the most incredible second T20. 278 for three in 20 overs. Ridiculous. One ground? It's got to be, hasn't it? Into the wind. I'm just wondering if Hazratul Azazai, 162 off 62 balls, including 16 sixes and 11 fours. 261.3 strike rate. Um... I'm wondering if they were playing on the edge of a square on a very small place and he was batting right and left-handed. Um, that's incredible. That is unbelievable. The, you know, these teams aren't that badly matched, but that just shows you the quality, the well, quality of these two, two countries, especially uh, Afghanistan. I think what's interesting is that Ireland used eight bowlers in that oh. game. They obviously didn't want to have a go. Did anyone, the most important question, Chris, I'm going to throw at you as you look at the scorecard, yeah. did any Ireland bowler get under 10 and over? Uh, no, the lowest economy was uh, George Dockrell, uh, two overs for 24. Oh, so close, so close. So everyone's going at least two runs of <laughs> <laughs> Got to love 2020 cricket. So that's where we were. So uh, Afghanistan beat Ireland 3-0 in the T20s, and then we moved on to one day is ODIs coming up. What happened in the ODIs, Chris? Uh, Afghanistan cantered to the first, then we had a no-resulter in the second. Third one, Ireland came back. Their one, first one. victory. Their one one. Uh, fourth ODI, Afghanistan, two one. Mm. 
and then Ireland leveled the series uh, to make it two all. So, so great experience. So, before we look at the test, what an unbelievable experience for both nations playing such a, a long series against one Absolutely. one nation, rather than just having the scraps of one game here and there or a, tr- a try series. It's really good to be able Pro- to proper tour. Yeah, develop your skills in the conditions, develop your skills against the opposition, adapt your game against the the individuals, etc. Um, really, really important for both of these countries as they go forward. Um, great for in, uh, for Ireland as well, playing in India. On, on a tour like this Absolutely. that's going to be invaluable curve. Absolutely. so we move ahead then and this is what we want to talk about we love test cricket and this is what we really want to look at the one off test match Afghanistan they've, they've pretty much they've, they're one of the fastest ever to their first test win yeah yeah I believe Australia won in their first yeah, England in their second Afghanistan joined them. Yeah, it's so, a club. So, exactly. So, maybe if it, they'd have had to go down the route of the Sri Lanka, the Zimbabwe, the Bangladesh, etc., it might have taken a little bit longer. Well, but oddly enough, New play. Zealand were the slowest. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Ah, you've got some explaining to do, Rob. Um, <laughs> so, Afghanistan, they obviously, they, this is what we're talking about, they've got their first ever win. They beat India. Uh, they won by seven wickets in this uh, test match at the Rajiv Gandhi Stadium in Dehradun. So, um, Let's just have a little look at this. So Ireland started it off, 172 all out inside day one. Tim Murta, 54 not out. At 11. At 11. Now that's digging... Win the toss, bat. That's digging you out of a hole. Uh, George Dockrell, 39, so it really was a case of the the, the, uh, the tail wagging in this one. Absolutely. Um, um, Nabi, 3 for 36, and Ahmadzai, 3 for 41, doing most of the damage for, for wow. uh, Afghanistan. In response to... Uh, sorry, in response, Afghanistan, 314. Ramat Shah missed out by two runs for the first... Uh, it would be the first centurion for Afghanistan, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, so that was an, an unfortunate for him. Uh, Captain Asghar Afghan, 6. 67 and Shahidi 61. So a nice, nice lead of 144 going into the second innings. Um, and from this point, well, from here and onwards, Ireland just could not get any control in the game whatsoever. Um, Ireland played better in the second innings, wouldn't you say? 288, Balburnie 82, O'Brien 56. But that man, ah, oh, jeez. I mean, I'm desired for a start. 3 for 52. Good test for him. Six wickets for 90 odd. Ooh. But Rashid, kind of five for 82. Of 34, yeah. There's not much more we can say about yeah. that man. So it was all all Afghanistan's at that point. Going into the fourth innings, fourth day, they needed about 140 odd, give or take a few few uh, few runs here and there. Uh, 149 for three was the score in the end. Shah 76 and Janat 65. So Ramit Shah 76, Inshallah Janat. They're 65. Um, they were 29 for one starting the day, 147 for victory to be accurate. Uh, and they put on a 139 run partnership. So that, uh, that absolutely knackered up, let's put it bluntly, Ireland's hopes of getting anything out of this test match. Yeah. Um, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant to see these two nations going at it. And a you know, heck of a test match by all, by all reports. Fantastic. I mean, the sadness for me was Ireland winning the toss and then not doing an England batting lineup and not delivering on the first day. Because, yep. you know, they scrapped harder from there on in, but, you know, all out 172. 85 for nine at one point as well. <sighs> 85 for 9. You're not going to win a test match from there, really, are you, first dig? Get that order reversed, lads. (laughs) So, from Asghar Afghan, the brilliantly named winning captain for Afghanistan, he said it's a historic day for Afghanistan, for our team and for our people. Um, You cannot cannot be any happier for the country, for what they've gone through over the last 
30 years or more. Absolutely. Um, this is just incredible. Just more power to them. Just the more cricket this country gets, the better they're going to be. They've got some unbelievable individuals. Uh, Rashid Khan, obviously, obviously was leading the attack. Um, he's going to be a star in the IPL again soon. He's going to be a star of the World Cup. Afghanistan are going to be absolutely box office in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, for Ireland, he admitted the Afghans outplayed us. Uh, we had to capitalise on the first innings, he said. If we'd done how we'd done in the second innings, it could have been a completely different game, but credit to Afghanistan. Um, just, yeah, stunning. I, I just think this is, this is one of the best stories you could possibly have in the world of cricket at the moment. We've got so much coming up, but this is what we should be focusing on. Stuff like this. And uh, yeah, the more we hear about Afghanistan and Ireland and the others, but especially these two, uh, the better for cricket. Yeah, I mean, the, the talent pool's fantastic. Mm. Two right, two right. So we just mentioned briefly IPL. We are very, very close to IPL, Chris. I'm excited. We're all excited. We're all excited. I'm, I'm ready. Excited. We're, we're gonna we're gonna come. We, like we said, we're gonna get out a bit of a uh, bit of a preview coming up soon. We're gonna mash and mispronounce the names. We're gonna run through the squads. We're gonna look at a bit of history. We're gonna recap last year, and we're gonna also look to see who we think will be winning and who will be getting the awards. I'm sure we absolutely murdered it last year and got nowhere near any predictions. So we'll be trying to do exactly the same again this year. But that'll be the fun of it. What's, there's no fun in trying to get it right all the time is no, there? no, go with your heart Exactly. so Chris you won't be with us on this one would no. you like to throw any, any bizarre random uh, maybe who do, you, who do you like for it well, what about a leading run scorer well, I don't know if anyone's got Netflix out there but I've never really been massively into the IPL but I've been watching a series on the Mumbai Indians yes. season last year fantastic uh, I must say I'm rather taken with Hardik Pandya as a player oh. just to watch Technically, he looks a million dollars. So yeah. he, he's now my, my one of my favourite uh, up-and-coming cricketers. So you you sound like you are very much now in the camp of the Mumbai Indians for this tournament. I think I might be. Tolly's picked a team. Yeah, I like I like Ishan Kishan. He's uh, he's got a sparkle in his eye, and he's got a great name as well. Yeah, the well, lo- I can actually pronounce it. So that helps. <laughs> Lovely left-hander, isn't it? So yeah. so that's going to yeah. be great. So we've got a Mumbai Indians fan here, folks. So that's one one, one on your side. Um, me and Rob, obviously, we will look into this. We will have a look. I always had a little bit of a spot for Sunrisers Hyderabad, but I think David Warner playing there is going to make it very difficult for me to get I on board. Support them now. The yellows, the Chennai Super Kings. I do like like the look of them again this year. Can't be writing them off, but it's going to be interesting. I think that we could, you know, even Delhi this year. They've got some incredible young talent. Rishabh Pant, mm. Prithi Shaw, amongst others. You know, you can't look past them. You know, they've not had the best of times, but they could potentially do something. Who knows? But we will look into it. But uh, yeah, roll on IPL. We can't wait to get stuck into that. And then just round the corner after that is the English County County Championship Summer. Can't wait. How is there so much cricket coming already? <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait. Right, so that's that's us today. I reckon that's episode 70 in the books. Um, Chris, is there anything else you'd like to add? What? A, oh, Will Jacks. Will Jacks, yeah. We, we can't leave without Chris right. Tans about Will Jacks. Here Jax. we go, here we go. Uh, you may or may not be aware, but a lot of the uh, county championships have been out in uh, Dubai practising. Yes. Mean, Warwickshire are out there. They've played Worcestershire, Somerset. Surrey are out there. Uh, a young lad called Will Jacks today. I can't remember who they were playing. It was Surrey against somebody. Uh, proper county side, anyway. Um, scored 100 runs off 25 balls. Sorry? A hundred runs <laughs> off twenty-five balls, Rich. Yeah, that's a strike rate of four hundred. So let, let's break that down because we, we we all do math. We're all good at maths, but that's four runs Every per run. delivery. Yep, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, 
Uh, uh, yeah, there's nothing more. Oh, that can be unfortunately, said for that. it doesn't count because it's not a recognised <laughs> fixture. So. Uh, I think uh, Glenn Chapel and Mark Patini are still the winners of the Fast 100. Um, 27 balls each, and yes, it was declaration bowling. That's horrific. Nobody needs a record that's being held by them two boys. No, it's a worry, isn't it? <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's unbelievable. So, yeah, we've got Will Jackson there. We nearly forgot him. How dare we? How could we? So, anything else you want to wrap up with? I think that's about me done. Awesome, awesome. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Rob, for going on holiday and leaving me having to do all this sort of stuff. Wow. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. So, do the, do what you need to do for us, guys. Go and rate, go and review, go and subscribe, go and tell your friends, go and get tell on your the mom. Website. And get on the website, leadingedgecricket.com. Get on there, read some articles. And if you want to write yourself an article, if you fancy writing, if you think that you are a bit of a budding, aspiring cricket journalist, get yourself an email across to us. Contact us, you know, Facebook or, or Twitter or whatever. Send us a DM. Tell us what you want to write about and get writing. We will publish it, as long as it's half decent, which I'm sure it will be. We've had some great ones on there already. We've got people from all around the world. We've even had a young fella who I believe is 10 years old, Nakul, who did a wicked little article about Torley's new favourite player, Hardik Pandya. So anybody can do it. Get yourselves involved and get in touch. So as Rob always says, until next time. Podcast Network.